Welcome to B2B Marketers on the Mission, a podcast for B2B marketers that helps you to question the conventional, think differently, disrupt your industry, and take your marketing to new heights. Each week, we talk to B2B marketing experts who share inspirational stories, discuss their thoughts on trending topics, and provide useful marketing tips and recommendations. And now, here's your host and co-founder of I'm Like Consulting, Christian Klepp. Welcome, everyone, to this episode of the B2B Marketers in the Mission podcast, where you get your weekly dose of B2B marketing insights. This is your host, Christian Klepp, and today I am joined by someone on a mission to develop B2B brand strategies that wow. So coming to us from Wayne, New Jersey, Mr. Christian DeGobby, welcome to the show. Uh, Christian, thank you for having me. Absolute pleasure, Christian, and a great name, by the way. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to this conversation because this is a topic that is very close to my heart as well. Um, you know, anything to do with B2B branding, right? Okay, fantastic. So Christian, you've been a professional marketer for many years, but for this conversation, let's focus on a topic that you're clearly very passionate about. And in fact, I think you even wrote about it on your LinkedIn profile and it's developing B2B brand strategies that wow. So talk to us about why you think that's so important in B2B and why a brand strategy is a must have and not a nice to have? I think that's a great way to start. Uh, I mean, today, uh, there's so many, um, there's so much noise out there today amongst uh, B2B brands, uh, whether it be B2B or B2C. Uh, technology has just forced us you know, towards that. There's a, a, there are a lot of distractions today from uh you know mobile website uh social media uh everything and it, it, it's very it's a challenge and it's a challenge that i like as a marketer a b2b brand marketer today to to stand out today it's very important to stand out today to uh craft your own story uh your own niche um your own content and to really distinguish yourself from other brands. And it really goes outside your industry today to, to, to distinguish your brand, not only within your industry, but amongst all the other noise out there today uh, to really make your brand stand out today uh, through messaging, through content, through your website, through your social media posts. It's very important to be different today and not only that but not be afraid to be different to take chances uh and that could again it could happen through your you know your content your 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 videos the influencers that you get to write for you um so and and that all goes into understanding your competitors doing research which we're going to get into hopefully um and just understanding where you fit in in the landscape within your industry and and, and being different um not for the sake of being different but to truly understand your company and the story you want to tell so being different and offering your clients different experiences interactive experiences including their points of view, very important to differentiating your brand today. 
Absolutely, absolutely. You you brought up a couple of great points, and I'd like to go back to them. Um, do you think that a lot of B two B companies, not all of them, but many, where do they go wrong? I mean, like, why why do they drown in the sea of sameness, as you just mentioned? Like, why why is everybody, you know, trying to do the same thing? Is it because they're trying to use this play it safe approach? It's they're in this very risk averse environment. Or, or what are your thoughts on that? I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna play off your last words there, Christian. Risk averse. Mm. I think they're very risk averse. I think they're. I'd use the word frightened to be different, be frightened to take chances, um, to, 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 to do things differently. I think they're very, uh, wanting to play it safe, wanting to do what they did last year, wanting, wanting to do things the safe way. Uh, so, you know, I think it comes down to playing it safe and, in a mentality of of what's worked in the past is going to work in the future, which is which is a, a dangerous way to think. With with how fast not only business, the world, technology is moving today, but also marketing, and the way our consumer uh, our consumer habits for your for your company are changing today. I, I think they're timid. I think they are. Uh, very overly cautious is a great way to put it. I think, you, you know, you used a great term, but overly cautious and afraid to take chances today. Absolutely. Uh, I love that last bit or, um, you, you know, something you said in the past couple of minutes where you said what wor what's worked in the past will work in the future. Well, if we've learned anything from these past two years is that nothing is permanent. Right. Mm -hmm. Like it's a fluid situation and that applies across the board. Right. Yeah. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, big wake up call, like you said, the past yes. couple of years absolutely. and for business, for marketing, for technology, the pandemic has definitely accelerated or, or opened people people's eyes to change, hopefully, yeah. you know, and how quickly things change. And uh, so hopefully, uh, you know, we'll take that pandemic as a wake up call. Yes. Yes, indeed. Indeed. Talk to us about, and you've probably seen a lot out there. Um, talk to us about some of the common mistakes and or misconceptions that B2B marketers make when it comes to developing an effective B2B brand strategy and what can be done to address these? Um, I think, uh, well, well, there you know, a lot of parts, you know, uh, to building a B2B brand strategy. I mean, first you have to have, uh, you know, obviously buying from senior, senior level executives and get everybody on board, you know, internally and externally. And the feeling that, you know, it's fine to go ahead with internal research only. You know, there, there are a lot of different pieces of the puzzle to collecting uh, research uh, for, for B2B brand marketing, namely internally, your salespeople, your product people, senior level executives, business development, getting their feedback is very, very important. Absolutely. The one miss, a big miss, a big piece of that puzzle, I would argue the biggest piece of that puzzle in collecting that research today 
is firsthand party data. You know, we can talk about uh, cookies going away, you know, within the next permanently over the next, you know, few years. And uh, Amen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Robotic marketing is not good. Yeah. No. So a big piece of the puzzle and, 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 you know, to your point, we should be preparing as marketers today for that going away of of uh, collecting data from engagements online. And I think, it, you know, I'm a proponent of it going away. So a big piece of they're missing right now today is first-hand party data. Literally collecting feedback from your clients, whether through surveys, speaking to them, and incorporating that feedback that no internal source can give you into and feeding your marketing strategies and tactics, your messaging, the content that you develop, critical. Today, I'm a little surprised that more B2B marketers and salespeople and BD people, I'm surprised that there's not more clamoring for that first-hand party data. I mean, they should be bugging marketing people every week. What are our clients saying about their brand experience? What are they saying about our content? What are they saying about our website? What are they saying about our social media? What are they saying about doing business with us? What are they saying about doing business with us through onboarding, through um, client engagement, uh, after they're uh, a client? Uh, I mean, everybody should be clamoring for, for, for that first-hand party data. Uh, and that's something that marketers have to step up on and demand, really, as a must from their company. Absolutely, absolutely. I think you really uh, hit the nail on the head there. Um, I had a follow-up question of that because, um, you know, this is something that we discussed in a previous conversation, Christian. At least from what I've seen in B2C, like just think about a company like Coke or Pepsi, right? They mm -hmm. would never dream of launching a product onto the market without conducting that that market research. So why is it, at least in your experience, why is it that in B2B companies, that seems to be optional? That's such a great question. I think it, I, I think you have to go back. Uh, I think you have to go back to the birth of B2B and B2C as we know it. And, you know, this is another, another webinar, another podcast entirely, but there is a history to it. And my take on the quick history of, of why it is the way it is today, I think there was a misconception on the part of B2B and a good conception on the part of B2C where it, B2C products, a candy bar, a can of soda, bag of potato chips, anything that you get, like an impulse buy, we call them. It's natural. It was natural for them to ask their impulse buyers or everyday consumers for feedback. It just, it just made sense. B2B, they got confused. And again, I think this is changing. They got caught up in 
that it's not an impulse and it's not an impulse buy B2B. You're talking about millions of dollars about purchasing a system-wide technology in our ERP or spending hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars of the course of your contract for a B2B buy. They interpreted way back when B2B, B2B marketers that b that 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 mindset is different from B2C when in fact it's really not. B2B buyers still buy their human beings. It's it's not a it's not a building you're marketing to. You're still marketing to human beings who have emotions, who have a sense of humor. And B2B buyers thought like, wow, this is so serious. And it is a big purchase, but oh, we have to market to them differently. We have to be serious. This is a serious buy. Oh, we have to, you know, talk to them differently. Yes, there is a difference between B2B and B2C. B2B marketers way back when, and again, it's getting better, are starting to understand the role emotion plays in marketing, even for multi-million dollar purchases, the role humor to a certain degree plays in their multi-million dollar purchases. And some B2B companies today, thankfully, are taking a page from the B2C handbook on how to market towards B2B consumers. So there is a closing that B2B misconception that just because they're spending millions of dollars, that their emotional state and their mind thinks differently from buying a candy bar to a multi-million dollar solution. When in fact, it's really not that big of a difference. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, those are those are some really, really interesting points. And uh, certainly in B2B, the uh, the buyer's journey is not that linear, right? I mean, I think if anything, linear is probably not the word that comes to mind. It's a bit more haphazard, right? But at the end of the day, going back to your point, and you've probably seen, I think, at least 10 posts on LinkedIn that I can think about where people say, in B2B, people will still buy from people they know like and trust so it's that mm -hmm. credibility piece and how yes. do you get that credibility it goes back to brand right absolutely yeah i, I mean that's uh, that's a great point christian i mean one of the first things i learned i started my career in, at advertising agencies in new york city mm -hmm. so i was kind of always behind the scenes planning campaigns back then in the late 90s you know pretty much just tv print and outdoor radio right. uh so when I jumped into the B2B marketing world in 2002, one of the first things I learned from a great boss back then, who I had when I first started B2B marketing, exactly what you said, Christian, it's people buy regardless of the price, regardless of your product or differentiators. Don't get me wrong. Those are great to have. Absolutely great to have. To your point, Christian, I totally agree with you. People buy from the relationships that they build and the trust that they build in B2B marketing. And that trust comes absolutely from marketing, their advertising, their messaging, their social media presence also comes, you know, from sales, building that relationship. And that's where sales and marketing really needs to get on, you know, on the same page. Because like you said, it's all about building that trust and likability. People buy from people they trust and like. 
regardless of the price of your product. So excellent. I, I love your point. Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. And yes, I did know that, that you started out in advertising in New York City, but but you guys, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, you guys didn't draw your best ideas on a napkin like Don Draper did, did you? <laughs> no, yeah, that was uh, many years before I started advertising and mm. many years after I wish I could have done that in advertising. Right. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Um, you touched on this a little bit, like in um, in the past couple of minutes, but explain the importance of conducting the right research. I'm going to say and having clear goals and objectives before jumping into developing a brand strategy. Yeah, uh, I, yeah, I, I think that's very important. You know, uh, to have a plan going into a rebrand or refreshing your brand or anything like that. I think. Obviously, having a plan for anything, personally or professionally, is a must. So, I, I you know, I, it definitely starts with uh, getting buy-in. You know, under you know, making the senior level executives aware of the need to make your brand current, to refresh it, to whatever that might entail. It could entail everything from your website, your content, your messaging, your look and feel, your imagery, the videos that you produce, the stories that you tell, uh, even your logo. Sometimes your logo might need an adjustment. And that's what people really think of, right? When they think of brand your logo. And then, and sometimes that's the case, sometimes it's not. So I, I think that, you know, like you said, that's a, a great starting point, Christian. No, absolutely. and. So we get to the bit where, um, you know, just think about this, like maybe like a Lego piece, right? You got to break it down into its parts, right? So just explain the parts and the different elements that are needed to develop an effective B2B brand strategy. That's a really great question. There is no one silver bullet. Mm. There are a lot of moving pieces to a brand, like you said. Right. I think the first thing that you really have to get serious about as a company with your brand is really understand like the story that you want to tell. Like, what do you, what do you stand for? And I'm not talking being vocal with the political climate or anything like that, but really getting honest with yourself about what your brand stands for and being honest with that. So what I'm really going to, you know, about is like your brand story and your brand story is not your products. It's not the services that you push out there on your website. It's about your story. It's about how you started. It's about what you stand for, about what you want to do. It's about how you're helping your communities. It's about what you're doing. I think I said this uh, for your clients. So really nailing down what you do well. So just reminds me real quick about a SWOT analysis is very helpful. You know, what you, you know, do with SWOT analysis. Focus on your strengths of what you do really well. Tell that story. And your story should not include your products. There's a great saying I like by David Meerman, David Meerman Scott. I've read a few of his books. Awesome. Love him. He said, and I love the saying, nobody cares about your products except you. And it's so true especially in today's world and the climate we live in today. It's a great quote. 
Sorry, can you please say that a little louder for the people in the back? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, David, David Nearman Scott. David Nearman Scott. Yeah. Several of his books I've read. I mean, uh, one of my role models, you mm. know, in, in marketing reading. David Nearman Scott, he said it. And it's so true. And a lot of people have a hard time comprehending that. Like, they just don't get it. I was like, we're, you know, they're like, we're, we're a better product. So, like, what are you talking about? Yeah, but he said nobody cares about your products except you. And what he and it took me a little while as a B two B marketer to understand that. What does he mean by that? It means that it's not about your products. It's not about selling your products or services. It's about selling your story. It's about selling what you're going to do for them. It's about comfort. We've talked about before, it's about selling trust. And you can tell those stories without mentioning a peak about your products and services. So I love, that's one of my favorite sayings, one of my favorite sayings by him. So your story, other, other ingredients, um, your content, you know, as far as a brand, the content that you develop, again, not product driven, your content that you're selling, uh, include your clients. You know, include your clients in your story, uh, your in videos. I'm a huge fan of um, videos today about telling your story. Again, not product driven, but telling your stories with your clients and, and, and any partners or affiliations that you might have as well, I think are very important as well. But bottom line, you know, keep your marketing and advertising and your content and videos and stories and messaging away from your away from your products and services your 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 clients prospects don't care fantastic points um there was something that you mentioned and i wanted to go back to it because it reminds me about you know you're talking about um telling your story and how you involve your customer in that story and i'm i think we've talked about this before so there's a book called uh building your story brand by donald miller right and he incorporates something from and it's and it's a I'm going to call it a formula, right? It's a formula that has been used to tell stories, whether it's through myths and legends across different cultures around the world. And it was something that uh, a professor named Joseph Campbell actually coined, right? And it has seven steps, I believe it is, right? So it's a hero has a problem, meets a guide who gives him him or her a plan encourages them to take action so that they succeed and avoid uh, avoid failure, right? And if you look at any advertising campaign, right, regardless of which market it is, or the best brand story cases out there, they basically follow this pattern, mm -hmm. right? And, and it's going back to what you were saying earlier. It's about like, you know, bring bring that customer into your story. I mean, like talk about your company, of course, but like bring the customer into the story and make them the hero. Right. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I never thought about it like that. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I think that's a great point uh, to, to bring your clients in. I, I think there's very few things a marketing department or a B2B marketer should do without soliciting a client's voice, which reminds me of uh, setting up a 
kind of like a, a voice of customer program where yes, yes. you develop like a, a group of eight to 10 clients and prospects and you set expectations and what you're looking for for them to run by messaging, advertisements, uh, articles by them to get their feedback first before you promote it and market out to a bunch of different digital channels for everybody to see. So to collect their feedback in a small group that is representative of your client base is invaluable. I, I, I think more marketers should be doing that today. Absolutely. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Hey, it's Christian Klepp here. We'll get back to the episode in a second. But first, is your brand struggling to cut through the noise? Are you trying to find more effective ways to reach your target audience and boost sales? Are you trying to pivot your business? If so, book a call with Einblick Consulting. Our experienced consultants will work with you to help your B2B business to succeed and scale. Go to www.einblick.co for more information. Okay. We get to the bit in the conversation where we talk about actionable tips, right? But let me just set this up because let's appreciate that brand building does not happen in a day, right? So this is something that takes time. But that being said, there are steps that you can take immediately. So what are some of these steps that B2B marketers can take right now to develop a brand strategy that helps them to stand out amidst, to your point, the sea of sameness? So some quick wins and what should they be focusing on? Yeah, I, I I think that's important. Like, how do we make a quick change? I would say, like, if I wanted to make a quick change in the company that I work for, as far as changing perceptions about the brand, creating awareness, educating our clients and prospects about what we do, it sounds simple, but video. You know, we spoke about video so many times, so much during this call. But if you want a quick win, develop a company video about what you do. Have senior level executives passionately talk about what your company does. Again, excluding your products. Glance over that, of course, but talk about what your company's about, what your mission is, why you started, what you're doing for companies today without mentioning your products. A quick win, develop that company video with a couple of senior level executives in your company to talk about your brand. Get a, get a, get a, get a good company to produce that video. A professional company who can come in and record, put B-roll footage behind that video, uppity music, make it energetic, and you have a beautiful company video that describes to the world hey, this is what we do. Take snippets out of those videos as well and republish them on social media. But I would say the quickest win to really educate and define your brand would be a company video with you know a senior level executives and, and just a good background music, good B-roll footage to get people excited about your company, I would say would be the biggest thing you could do for, for your brand today. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely a fan of videos myself. Um, I'm interested to get your uh, thoughts 
interested to get your thoughts on thought leadership pieces. So what I mean by that is like, you know, um, everybody's talking about guesting on podcasts, organizing webinars, right? This is not something that ne necessarily requires a significant investment on the part of the company. It just requires you to do it, right? So what are your thoughts on those? Uh, huge fan, huge fan. I think you need to know where your customers are at today, mm -hmm. which gets back to surveying your clients on as far as what do they prefer? Send out that survey, a uh, customer satisfaction survey. You should have a section within that survey on what type of content they like to digest. Do they prefer webinars, um, uh, podcasts, white papers, blogs, um, videos, uh, uh, ebooks. There's a lot of different things that marketers can do today, and it's shooting in the dark, literally, if you're not getting feedback from your clients on what they prefer. But based, yeah. you know, based on on what you had mentioned, I think they're great. I think they're very effective, but you have to ensure that you are not wasting a lot of time and resources developing whatever it might be, webinars, podcasts, whatever it might be, yeah. it, if you don't know if, if that's what they want. But the biggest thing is, which is an issue today, is getting the SMEs to find time to make time for that webinar, for that podcast, to, to, ghost, uh, to provide talking points, to ghostwrite a blog article. And, and finding that time from the SMEs, I think is a real, I think a lot of BBB marketers today would agree that that's a big challenge is to find SMEs time today to actually, you know, do one of these marketing tactics. So, yeah, no, fantastic. So Christian, can you give us an example of a company, a B2B company that you think has developed a great brand strategy? Yeah, it's a great question, Christian. I think it's very hard to do today. Uh, to, to, to break out that CSAMS that we were talking about before, to really distinguish and differentiate your brand today, it's it's hard. Uh, I think if you don't like that challenge as a B2B marketer, you shouldn't be doing that because it is a challenge, but it's a fun challenge. Uh, and I come across uh, companies, B2B companies that are wowing and making a difference and breaking out of the sea is saying this one that really stood out to me over the last year was what Cisco did in promoting their cybersecurity services. And they, I thought, took a very creative approach to broadcasting awareness about their cybersecurity services via a visual comic book. And they published it and it was in PDF format and it was everywhere. And it was a volume, a, a comic book that read like a story. Getting back to story, it read like a story with different characters about cybersecurity challenges and, and what can be done today uh, with different scenery. Uh, I just thought it was a very, very creative approach to creating awareness and educating clients and prospects about their cybersecurity solutions. I thought it was great. I thought it was really cool. 
I actually looked that up the last time you and I talked about it. And I I have to say that um because I'm a bit of a comic book geek myself. Me right? too. Yeah. I thought they did such a great job with that one. And you know, back to your point, it's on a it's on a topic, and to anyone out there who's in this field, I apologize in advance, but you know, it it can get a little bit dry and extremely technical, right? If you don't know what you're doing, right? And, and cybersecurity is, you know, one of those topics, this is something that will not go away because for, for as long as there's mm -hmm. cyber threats out there, right? And that's just gonna become even uh, more paramount, like for companies to look into cybersecurity. But there was another uh, case study because, you know, you, you had me thinking that there was another case study from back in 2013. Um, it was launched by GE and it was a campaign called Datalandia, right? And again, it was on the topic of big data and big data. It's extremely difficult to talk about that in a way mm -hmm. that's and well, entertaining is already a challenge, but interesting. And, you know, for people who are not in, you know, data analysts or data scientists, how do you how do you get their attention? So they came up with this campaign <clears throat> where they created these uh, these mini videos or mini series. Right. And it was all based in this miniature town, which they had actually built in Germany. Um, and it's to highlight how big data plays a role in people's uh, people's lives, right? And mm -hmm. the small town basically was invaded by vampires and aliens, and big data saved them, right? And that was yeah. that was a campaign that was rolled out by G. Very cool, like you said, taking a dry topic and making it fun and engaging. Uh, yes, that's an awesome example. Uh, love it. Yeah. Yes. I, it, much, much needed in B2B marketing today. Yes. That, that kind of creativity and outside the box things, outside the box thinking. Great example, Christian. Yeah. 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 Here's hoping to see more of those, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, this is a topic that, you know, uh, people in the branding world may or may not like, but at some point you're going to have to show results. And results sometimes come in the form of metrics or oftentimes come in the form of metrics, I should say. So what specific metrics do you think marketers should be looking at when it comes to brand strategy? Uh, I think there are um, a few different metric metrics buckets uh, that when you're measuring your brand today, uh, I think it's important to mention that the first thing you want to do when you get buy-in and decide on executing a brand refresh or a rebrand or a tweak or whatever is to benchmark with anything to baseline because you want to know moving forward, whatever you do brand wise that you're moving the needle, which is very important, you know, for you as a marketer for to show your uh, CMO, C-suite executives, exactly how you're moving the needle on your brand perception. So I think there are a lot of different buckets after you benchmark uh, to measure your brand performance. One, you know, you, you kind of like your brand equity. Um, you know, what's the value of your brand today as far as perception, like how people view it? If they, uh, you know, have they viewed against your competitors? I think is very important. Um, is your brand equity, your brand perception? your brand value as far as how much, you know, with value with anything, uh, how much you're paying versus how much you're receiving is a value there. 
so I would, you know, there's a lot of different examples like that where as long as the value's there, it's worth it. I mean, I'd be willing to pay a lot for a service or a product if the value is there. So brand value, I think, is very important. Brand perception, brand equity, all metrics that you can measure through a brand perception study. And you could do those brand perception studies internally. There's a lot of templates out there online if you can't afford to hire a great brand company like yourself, uh, Christian, um, <laughs> or you can hire a brand company like like yours to, to conduct that study for you to yes. come up with the right questions right. to ask about equity, perception, value, um, and uh, and to measure that uh, to take to take those measurements from your clients about how they feel about your brand and do that same study that that same brand perception study. I would say no sooner than a year. To your point, it takes a long time for whatever you're doing, marketing, advertising, branding wise, take a foothold in the market to get inside people's minds about your brand. It takes a long time to change the human brain as far as your brand. So I would say, you know, at the, at the least a year to, to do another brand perception survey. So that's where I would start is that mm -hmm. brand perception study to measure a bunch of different aspects across your brand. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost as if, uh, yeah, and that was actually going to be my next question about like, you know, how often should these brand perception surveys be done or, or studies? Um, because it's always important to show like, okay, this is where we were before. Mm -hmm. And this is where we are now, thanks to the efforts that we have implemented, right? Or, or the activities that we've initiated, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Very important. Yeah. I mean, you got to know where you're coming from, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. A status quo that you passionately disagree with. and why. Disagree with wholeheartedly, Christian. Yes. I... yes. Get up on your soapbox and go. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, is, is that beating me marketers today, and I think it's getting better, Christian, is the perception that B2B marketing, and I guess it's due to the the cost and the the sales cycle, how long it is, but the perception I must disagree with is that B2B marketing, it has to be devoid of emotion, um, has, you know, completely devoid of using humor in your advertising, social media posts, advertisements, webinars. Uh, at the end of the day, as you know, Christian, we are advertising towards human beings. We're not advertising to a B2B marketing building um, or, or a stature or anything like that. We are advertising to human beings, the same human beings who buy B2C products. So I, again, I think we're getting, B2B marketers are getting better, better, better at this. I think they're seeing, per the Cisco example of that I, that I uh, tossed out there, the GE example that you tossed out there, I hope they're seeing the case studies and the news and the stories of how B2B marketers and brands are breaking that mold of seriousness and and uh, staying like in a in a tone that is devoid of emotion and and you know I like to call it human based marketing. So I again I think it's getting yeah. better. Long way to go. But that's a perception that I think B2B marketers, unfortunately, still have today. 
And uh, sooner or later, you know, I think it's going to catch up to them because the smart B2B companies, smart B2B marketers are going to start taking that date from the B2C handbook and it's going to resonate yes. with the human beings of the marketing too. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, yeah, that was a great example. Like Cisco is a great example. I've seen it with a couple of other companies and even former clients that I've worked with who have made that change. And I would just want to add that this is another misconception that many B2B companies have that I've seen out there. They think that you can only do that if you're a big corporation. And I tend to disagree with that. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, I think a lot of, like you said, Kristen, that's mm -hmm. a great point. I think a lot of bigger, uh, you know, smaller and mid-sized companies, yeah. they might not think they have the resources or anything like that to yeah. do what the big companies do as far as video production. But I, I, I think that's I, I think that's false. I think yeah. as long as you have you know human beings with a, a mind that can think creatively, there's mm. no category for being big, smaller, or uh, medium-sized business to, to to not execute creatively, mm. creatively like that. Exactly. Exactly. Christian. This has been a great conversation as expected. And again, it's a, a topic very close to my heart. Like I'm very passionate about branding. And so uh, please quick intro to yourself and how folks out there can get in touch with you. Yeah, Christian, thank you so much uh, for being a guest on your podcast. I have enjoyed all of our conversations between you and me. Likewise. Uh, LinkedIn, I'm very active on LinkedIn. It's linkedin.com, uh, communicating Christian. And Quick shout out, recent, about a, you know, since since their inception, a member of the SOAR Marketing Society that Stacey Danheiser started about a year ago or so, yes. but it's the best marketing community that I've ever been a part of. She's a great host, super knowledgeable, super passionate, keeps us engaged. Yes. So I would highly recommend joining the SOAR Marketing Society by uh, Stacey Danheiser as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. I second that. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Christian. It's been a pleasure. Um, take care, stay safe, and talk to you soon. You too, Christian. Thank you very much. All right. Bye for now. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the B2B Marketers on a Mission podcast. To learn more about what we do here at Einblick, please visit our website at www.einblick.co and be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player.